It's good to be here this morning. I wasn't sure, but uh, it was good, uh, good reports from everyone that a uh, lot going on. And all of a sudden, it was like, okay, we planned the Christmas party, and we were thinking about the parade. But in both of those cases, we thought, well, let me see. If I have to preach on Sunday, I better make sure that I, <laughs> I'm, still, <laughs> I'm still walking. Because I was hacking like crazy on Wednesday, and it just kept, kept going. So, um, but God, in his mercy, was... Uh, I'm, I'm feeling better, and I trust that uh, we'll get through uh, this morning, but uh, what a privilege it is to worship together in God's house. We're going to, uh, <clears throat> we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1, 40, verses 46 through 56, and um, I want to talk to you this morning about a teenage girl's Christmas hymn, because it's the first hymn of Christmas. I don't know about you, but uh, you don't expect some great... Uh, we think of hymns, we think of the Messiah, and we think of all these other hymns that, uh, that we know or we have heard, you know, growing up and, and uh, that uh, were written by uh, great composers like Handel, the Messiah, or Beethoven, and, uh, and some of the, the great symphonies and so forth. But uh, here's a teenage girl who's about 14 years old, and she writes the first Christmas hymn. I don't know about you, but I think that's rather spectacular, don't you? I mean, that's that. In fact, that's a miracle. <laughs> that's what I call a miracle. But uh, and so, what is it this morning that you enjoy the most about Christmas? I want you to think about that just for a moment. Is it? Is it? Uh, you know, what makes Christmas for you special? Um, is it the awesome Christmas decorations, the lights, and you know, the whistles, and you know, all the bells, and just all kinds of music? Um, is it family? And really, you know, you know, obviously having family together, and that's wonderful, and that's, that's a beautiful thing, and that's enjoyable. I look forward to, you know, kids and grandkids and, you know, and just whoever wants to come, you know, eating a Christmas dinner. Um, and, of course, the food. Uh, there's, I mean, I can't think of all the things that, uh, you know, you get to eat on Christmas and all the goodies and all the desserts, the desserts especially. And even, uh, and I think kids, they look forward to the gifts because they are looking forward to getting something special for Christmas, right? But what was it that Mary tells us she was anticipating as she looked forward to her first Christmas? Because it, her first Christmas was the birth of her son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I thought about that, and I was thinking about that as I was meditating on this, uh, this particular hymn of Mary's. Uh, it's called the Magnificat. And the reason it's called the Magnificat is because Mary, I think before uh, hundreds of years later, there's uh, the catechism, Westminster Catechism was written. The Shorter Catechism asked one question. I think we all should know that, and it probably we do. And the question is, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And guess what? She knew that 1,500 years before it was written. <laughs> and so she's got it down. She's, uh, she's, uh, she's been catechized, if you will. And so we're going to read uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And this just, the, uh, now Mary has just come to visit Elizabeth. Um, <clears throat> if you could think about this, was not an easy journey. She didn't hop in the car and get here. It, uh, she was coming from Nazareth to the foothills of Judah or Judea. And it's about a 75-mile trip on foot. And she's 14 years old. So think about that for a moment. And as she enters 
Elizabeth's presence, all of a sudden the baby, it's six months baby John, jumps and leaps in her womb. And she, it says, filled with the Spirit, and she acknowledges that here, what is it? The, the, the mother of my Lord comes to visit. And so she's really just bursting with, with joy that Mary has come. And then Mary bursts out with this song. And this is the song, and this is what Mary said in verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And he's filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. May the Lord add his blessing on his word this morning. Let's pray. Father, as we come, uh, we are in need of, uh, Father, just to, to have you to roll back the... Uh, for us, Lord, by your spirit, uh, just a, a greater appreciation, uh, Lord, of uh, the grandeur and the glory that uh, Mary uh, was able to express uh, about her Lord as she, uh, as she gave expression to that, that joy and that wonder, as uh, she thought about, uh, Lord, something that all of us should uh, be reminded of, that Christmas at its very heart and at its very essence, Father, is about worship. It's about you. It's about your glory. And so, Father, I pray that that might be the case again in, in our day, Lord, as we look around and we see so much that is not about Christ. Uh, Father, we pray that, uh, Father, the light of the gospel would continue and would be magnified in our midst as Jesus Christ is lifted up. We give him all the glory and praise and ask that you would uh, open our hearts and our eyes, Father, to see Jesus we ask in his name. Amen. There's a story that, uh, about uh, a colonel named James Irwin. You'll, uh, if you think about that name, he was an astronaut on Apollo uh, 15. And uh, he uh, was a believer. Uh, I don't know if you knew that or not. But he realized because of what God allowed him to do to fly to the moon to land on the moon and spend actually close to three days walking on the moon. He found the Genesis rock, by the way, uh, which was an important discovery. And he realized as he was returning to Earth, and by the way, uh, one of the things that happened is he had a heart attack while he was doing all this, and, that, and, and uh, they were monitoring his heart the whole time. And uh, he had three heart attacks before he died. But anyway, during this time, he was actually having a heart attack as he's walking on the moon. And uh, they're monitoring it, and they said, well, he's in the best place he could be. There's no gravity. He's on pure oxygen. He said, it's like he's walking around in an ICU. <laughs> and God was preserving his life as he's walking around on the moon, and he's observing all this, the wonder and the splendor of it all. He realized that when he came back to Earth, that he would be treated like a superstar or a hero. But what humbled him was God's goodness and God's glory as he saw God's glory. 
And he wanted to share that with people and said, as I was returning to earth, and this is his words, I realized that I was a servant, not a celebrity. So I'm here as God's servant, he said, one planet earth, on planet earth to share what I have experienced that others might know and see the glory of God. So what you have in the Magnificent is Mary, not the Queen of Heaven, as some people have portrayed her as, but we have Mary, what does she say? The servant of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Here she is. She's not magnifying herself. She's not celebrating herself, but she's celebrating the glory of God. She's, seeing, she's experiencing it, but she's also seeing the, the glory of God, and she's uh, celebrating that with us here this morning. And so it's interesting as you go through, and, and all this week, I can't do anything but meditate on this. So you know, when you're sick, you just kind of, well, when you can, your brain's clear enough. Uh, is that the th things that show up in this, there's three things that really kind of jump out at you as how personal this Magnificent is. Notice she'll, she refers that the Lord has looked upon me in my humble estate. In other words, God's eyes is looking on her. That's pretty personal, right? Somebody's looking on you, acknowledging that you're there. <laughs> the God of heaven acknowledging that I'm here. And then later on, it talks about that God shows his arm, his power. You know, so he's, she's describing God in physical terms that we would relate to. And, and then at the end, she talks about God's word. She says, and he has spoken as he spoke to our fathers and, you know, to Abraham and to his descendants, to us. Were they descendants of Abraham, by the way? That's very personal. And, and so she's, she's looking at that we call those anthropomorphism. It's a big fancy word to just say that she's describing God in physical terms. Because we relate to what? Eyes, hands, arms. And we relate to what? Words spoken. And it's interesting, when Jesus came, what is it that Jesus, that people recognize about Jesus? Jesus looked on the woman and he what? He reached out with his arm and touched her very personal. And then what? And then Jesus spoke, woman, thy sins are forgiven. Isn't that amazing? Just how Mary's got something that, that's triggered this worship, this praise. And so she's coming and saying, my soul magnifies the Lord. That word, that word there is, is that it's like she's, she's, she's speaking in terms of she's making something that is She's allowing us to see something that she sees, something that's great. She's saying, I'm magnifying. A magnifying glass is like a telescope, right? And what magnifying was the idea is that she brings something big closer. God's glory is big, and she's letting us, through her worship and through her singing, she's making God big. Hey, this is something worthy of magnifying and making big. You know, it says in Isaiah 40, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. All flesh shall see it together, for the Lord has spoken. And then when the word became flesh, what happened? And we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so Mary is saying, my soul magnifies the Lord. You know, when you think about magnif a magnification, you, you, you tend to sometimes think we're going to make God great. No. But guess what? What Mary's doing is she's declaring God's greatness so that other people can hear. It's great. 
You know, when we're in church worshiping God, guess what? We're telling the world, hey, he's worthy of our worship. <laughs> he's wor we're magnifying God. And they're saying, why do those people say, I mean, they're singing Christmas hymns. Come on. What's, what's so big? What's so important about that? You're magnifying God. You're declaring that he's worthy of the praise that we are declaring to him. So, so we can, so I, I, I often think about, you know, our, we're lenses through which other people are seeing God and how great he is. Because sometimes we think, well, what difference does it make? Nobody sees what we do as Christians. Are you, are you serious? You know, how we interact, how we, how we live our life. That People see that. that. Those are the things people will remember, right? Um, those are the things that people will say, you know, there's something different. And Mary's song is saturated with something that is interesting. It's like she's not just quoting from one text of Scripture. She's quoting from Isaiah. She's quoting from Job. She's quoting from the Psalms. She's quoting from the minor prophets and the major prophets. And you're going like, where did she get all this Bible knowledge? Because she didn't even own a Bible. By the way, the Bible wasn't printed. <laughs> she heard the Bible being read in synagogue. And it had so impacted her life that her, she's overflowing with gratitude. And I mean, it's just like all of a sudden she begins to see the immensity, the greatness of God's character. I mean, think she, she mentions what? She mentions God's power. It says, the he who is mighty has what? Done great things for me. Then she says, then she says not only is, does he great, holy is his name. And then she says, and his mercy is to all those who fear him, reverence him. From generation to generation. So she's, she's filled with the word of God. And so her worship is, is just a way. She, it's, it's like um, when, when, when they, uh, in the Old Testament, what would happen is when somebody was wanting, when you, you use this word, mag, let's, let us magnify the Lord and, and rejoice. The word rejoice there is the word boast. Let's boast about God. That's the word boast. So when she says, my spirit rejoices, she's saying, my spirit is boasting in God. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a way of her saying, you know, I'm boasting in God because he's my deliverer, my savior. Her focus is on uh, the salvation that God brings to us uh, through his son, Jesus Christ, and that she's bearing uh, in her womb. Um, and so she's saying, it's not about me. It's about him. It's not about what I've done, but it's what about what he's done. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if you ever noticed uh, important people. Like if, um, have you ever really met a, I mean, have you, have you ever been in a place where there's a really important person, like a president or a, a person who is well-known, and you ever notice how people act when that important person is around? <laughs> and you'll notice that they're trying to get what? They're trying to get that person to notice them. But that same person who's trying to get them to notice them because he's so important you ever notice how they'll treat somebody that they think is much more beneath them? Let's just say this to the janitor who cleans the bathroom. <laughs> and he says, hi, how are you? And it's going, like, oh, I don't know that guy. Mary's saying, for he has looked upon me. He's looked on me. God's looked on me. That's what Christmas means. God looked upon us in our humbled estate. And she's talking about my neediness. The place that I needed, needed his presence the most, God was noticing me. I'm just from Nazareth. I'm a 14-year-old girl, and what do I have to offer God? And God's saying, 
And she's saying, God looked on me. He noticed me. And that's why she bursts out with this song. And it's, uh, you know, so Mary is telling us, look, this is what it's really about. It's about noticing and, you know, acknowledging the glory of God. Um, if somebody were to ask you the question, how do you maximize your joy in your Christian life? Or if they asked that question of Mary, you know what she would say? You maximize your joy by magnifying who? Magnifying God. The world would say, how can you, the way I maximize my joy is boasting about myself. <laughs> you ever notice that? Somebody that talks about themselves all the time, you go like, okay, <clears throat> when can I get away from this person? <laughs> you know, you, you don't maximize your joy by boasting in yourself. You maximize your joy, Mary says, by boasting in who God is and glorifying him. And, and so she's, she's, she's kind of, it's almost like she's got more maturity than the world has because the world's whole focus when remember when Jesus came to the Pharisees and it says they pray in order to get praised by men they give their tithes to be seen by men they do their their uh, you know they they go through all of this ritual to get noticed by people why so that people would boast in them and what Jesus and what Mary is saying through through her son is basically saying, no, the chief end of man is to glorify God, is to boast in him, is to acknowledge him. It's, uh, John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied. So when we talk about contentment, that's satisfaction. I'm content with what God is doing. I may not understand it, but there's a, there's a, there's a point in it. But notice the reason. She gives three reasons why she magnifies the Lord. One of those is because of who God is, his person, God's person. Notice his person, verse 49 and 50. For he who is mighty, who's powerful, is almighty, has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So she points out three things about God's person, his power, his holiness, and those, God's power and holiness, now, if that's all you could see, it'd be scary, right? Is there anything impossible with God? No. Is God holy? Yes. <laughs> but it's his mercy that reaches out to us, isn't it? God's grace, God's mercy, God's salvation. And so she's seeing all three of those, and she's saying, look, you know, you know we talk about the gospel as the power of God, the dynamite of God. For everyone who believes. It's, it's God's glory being manifested in his power. God's arm reaches down. You know, the Satan is, and is dancing on the grave of Jesus at his death. For, for at least three days, maybe. But what happens on the third day? He rises from the dead. You know, God, the, the power of, of God raises Jesus from the dead. That's God's power in the gospel. And then, and then she says, but God's holy, and in that holiness, there's this, this, his reaching out to save his people, and she's a part of that, and we're a part of that salvation. Um, and that's kind of, the, that's kind of the, 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 the wonder of this song. As you think about Mary and what she's going through, think about this. Heaven is about worship. And magnifying God. Would we enjoy heaven if heaven, if, he, if heaven is about magnifying the Lord? 
So we should enjoy magnifying him in worship because that's what heaven's going to be all about. We're going to spend eternity doing that. And the reason we can do that is because, uh, you know, scientists have just recently got a, a more powerful telescope that they're able now to look back, it says, billions of light years. They just found some new uni- a, new, a new universe <laughs> that maybe will help them understand the great Big Bang, which we know is God. It's like they said, well, it was before it was millions of year, light years. Now it's billions of light years. Why are they saying? God's endless. <laughs> We'll never be able to search the depths of God. There will ever be, always be something more glorious and great about who he is and his greatness and his majesty and his power. And so, so Mary's seeing that. And so she, she says, so I want to celebrate who he is and his person and that, that he's come to us in mercy. And that mercy, uh, the word, word mercy is that God pities us in our situation. He understands what you're going through. Boy, I'm glad about that, aren't you? <laughs> you know, I'm glad somebody understands what I'm going through. Uh, but he looks on that, and when God looks upon us, he doesn't, he's, you know, somebody could say, well, oh, I see you're hurting. Okay. But he's moved, and he's moved with mercy and grace and forgiveness. And so that's what he's, so she's magnifying that. She's saying, I'm going to rejoice in that. I'm going to, get, I'm going to celebrate God's, the glory of his person. But then she goes on and says something about, about God's, God's work, God's provision. What provision has God made? I mean, can you, can you, can you see God's providence in history? It's amazing that she's, a, she's pretty, uh, I think she's a pretty intelligent young person, right? That she can look back and see that God, what, exalts, God, God brings down the mighty, it says, from their thrones. God lifts up those of low and humble estate. God, it says, that God, that God um, scatters, it says, the proud in the imaginations or thoughts of their heart. She, she's really, I mean, think about it. She's, she's, in a way, summarizing what history is all about. Because if you look at all the kingdoms, like let's just say, let's look at Egypt, the kingdom of Egypt. So what happens is that Pharaoh, when Moses comes to him and says, let my, God says, let my people go. What does Pharaoh say? Who is the Lord that I should listen to him? And then what did God do? (laughs) As God opens the Red Sea to let his people through, he closes the Red Sea and what? Totally demolishes the Egyptian army. There goes one empire, boom. <laughs> and then Nebuchadnezzar says, look at me, look at this great city of Babylon, which I built with my own hands. <laughs> look what I did. And then the next moment, a few days later, I don't know how long, but he loses his mind and he's eating grass like, a, like cattle. Until it says he looked up and he gave glory to God and says, God is the one that deserves to be worshipped and praised. And you could go all the through Scripture. All the great empires, have all, they've risen and they've fallen. Why? Because God exalts what? The humble and he humbles the proud. That's a part of God's providence. We, you know, sometimes I get discouraged by looking at what's going on today. But guess what? God will always, because who God is and his glory will always what? He'll, also, he'll scatter the proud. He will 
bring down the mighty from their thrones. All of those people who boast, I don't care when you think about it, Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin, Lenin, all of these mighty men who claim that they have all the power and authority, guess what? It's only because God says, only for a moment, and then I'm going to just, I'm going to snap my finger, and I'm going to bring you down. Sometimes we're waiting. Of course, we're always waiting with a bated breath. When's that going to happen? <laughs> and we're saying, Lord, hurry it up. But this woman, I mean, think about it. She's looking at her situation. She's under the heavy hand of the Roman taxation and the Roman army. And guess she's saying, and God exalts the humble. And God brings down the mighty. He's going to bring, he's going to bring down the mighty. And it's interesting. How does God, how does God show his arm? We're saying, yeah, just when that big army arrives and destroys the other army? No. It's the army of weakness. It's the arm of weakness, right? God, God perfects his power through weakness. I mean, how weak can you be when you come, when you're being born as a baby in a mother's womb, into poverty, into an unknown place, who nobody recognizes you, and in that weakness, guess what? God shows strength, right? Think about the, what happens at the cross. I mean, there's weakness. And Jesus said, I could call 10,000 angels. I just, have to just, I just have to say the word and it deliver him from all, all of that. He doesn't. What? In his weakness, what does he do? God exhibits his strength because the power that Christ was exhibiting on the cross was intended to save us. And that wouldn't happen if Jesus had said, okay, I'm not going to the cross. If he didn't go to the cross, none of us would be here. For centuries, there would be no churches. For centuries, there would just be chaos, darkness. It would be like the days of Noah, before Noah, before God destroyed the, you know, the earth by the flood. And that's what, that's what Mary, Mary seems to do. So she's, she's celebrating who God is and his person. She's celebrating his providence and his victory through weakness and his, his sovereignty over all things. But she, but she kind of concludes it with this wonderful phrase, I think, at the end, I think is really kind of amazing, is that she celebrates God, God's promises in his keeping of his word. Notice at the end she says this, that, uh, oh, I, I just turned one page too far. Okay, right here. Here it is. He has helped his servant Israel, in verse 54, in remembrance of his mercy, and he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And notice that, so what is she saying? That God has come to her help, her aid, is the idea. Um, there was a word that's uh, used here of, um, I don't know if it's maybe, if it's in King James, I don't know, anybody have King James? Does it say, use the word sucker, S-U-C-C-O-U-R? He came to sucker or sucker. Sucker his people. He came, in other words, he came to, he helped his people. But the word there is the idea of his, his uh, a person who was like a, um, the idea of help there and the suckering or the sucering. <laughs> I can't even know how to pronounce the word. It was a, it was a, it was a person uh, who actually was like a, a patroness or a protector. And that God comes to the help. He comes to our protection. He, he comes to our cause. He comes to our aid. He, he, he comes to see uh, us. And uh, like it's, it's used of, uh, by the way, it's used of um, 
one of that, you know, when uh, Paul was uh, talking to about Phoebe, he calls her, he calls her this patroness. It's the same word there, the helper of many and even to myself. In other words, I kind of like she was a person who would go out on the limb just to say, look, these people are legitimate. I don't know. Apparently she was, had maybe some political influence, whatever it was, but she used her position as a way of influencing, protecting other Christians. And, and, you know, whether it was, you know, just trying to give them some, uh, some recognition in the society that they were living in, which was well, hated Christianity. Uh, but the point of God's help is that there's no limit to what God can do in helping us. And so Mary's song is really all about his glory at Christmas time and what God has done. And that through God's help, notice what he remembers. He remembers his mercy. And what's his mercy? It's the seed, right? The promised seed. Adam and Eve, what happened? Through your seed, Eve, God would what? Crush the head of Satan. And what? He would bring salvation to us. That through, uh, through the promise to Abraham, God says, my seed, through that seed... God was going to bless the whole earth. Jews and Gentiles are the descendants, Mary says, although she may not have recognized the extent of that. We are the, we are the children of Abraham. I don't know about you, but God has kept his promise. That seed promise back in the Garden of Eden, God's kept that promise. And Mary's saying, and he says, and as he spoke to our fathers and to Abraham and to his descendants. And they're saying, yes, to us. And God's been keeping his word ever since. He's never broken one promise. And she's just, she's bursting out with thanksgiving to God. And that really kind of brings us back to that point that uh, Kelly was making about joy, right? I mean, how can you not be happy and celebrate the glory of God on Christmas, right? It's God coming to us, not us, you know, trying to figure out how God is. It's God bringing down the mighty, God lifting up the humble, God filling the, the he says he fills the hungry with good things and he sends the proud away empty. And he's, he's not talking, or the rich, uh, and he's not talking about just that riches in and of themselves. It's that, it's, he's talking about people who deny the existence of God. They think that they've done it all on their own. They, they take credit for it. They boast in themselves. They don't boast in God. They have nothing to acknowledge about God and His glory and His majesty. So I just want to leave us with a few words of application. One was, as I was thinking about this, is that the Christmas gift He gives us in the gospel is eternal life. And what greater blessing it is to be filled. It says, blessed is what? Blessed are the hungry, they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, what? They shall be filled. You know, what greater gift is there, you know, when we think about gifts at Christmas time than to receive the gift of eternal life? And then secondly, it just seems like, I mean, if you think about this young girl, Mary, at the age of 14, she had more discernment than most of the world, right? <laughs> she put a higher price tag on her relationship with God than the world puts on the pursuing of all the empty things of this world. What is it the world tells young teenagers to pursue? You know what the world tells you to pursue? You need, you know, you need, you know, you need um, money. You need power. You need possessions. You need this. You need that. But where's God in all of that? God's not. God's nowhere. 
and all of that. She, she, she understood that. It's, 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 I mean, and you say, well, how did she understand that? Well, Mary has something that every Christian has. She had the Holy Spirit. <laughs> every Christian has that. Then I, I think the third thing there is that, you know, if you were to search all the who's who's lists, now you can, you know, my mom and dad has a who's who's list book. I remember I found that. Um, you know, who's who is like somebody that's prominent in a certain call, right? You know, you're going to find Mary in there. But, you know, it doesn't make any difference. You know, like, okay, well, her name's not in that book. Well, well was my name in that book? Oh, man, I thought I was pretty good in accounting. <laughs> her name's not in the who's who's book, but it's in the, the Lamb's Book of Life, right? That's all that really matters. I mean, think about it. You know, some people, they get excited. Well, wow, you know, look, at, well, I got my name on lights and da 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 da, da. Guess what? Look at, look at me. And, and Mary's saying, you know, I'm just a humble servant of the Lord, but her name is in Lamb's Book of Life. Hey, that's everything. In fact, that's, that's, that's the essence of what it means to have a relationship with God. But I think, you know, probably, and just the last point of application here, and, it's, and it's really I think it's this, is that her theology led to doxology. You know, we can study doctrine and we can study theology, but it should lead us to doxology. Doxology is worship. How, how, it's, it's, it, it does something to you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's our expression of thanksgiving and praise to the one who's done it all. And what Mary has, every Christian has. Mary's carrying around, if you stop to think about it, she's carrying around in her womb the Christ child, right? And she's overwhelmed at that. She's carrying around the Messiah, the one who is going to, what, save his people from their sins. But doesn't Paul say to us the mystery of the gospel? He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that something to celebrate? Christ in you. How is Christ in you? It's because when God saves you and he gives you the Holy Spirit, guess what? The Spirit of God, is that's, the, that's Christ dwelling in you as a Christian. And I don't know about you, but that should cause you to get a little excited. <laughs> Christ in me, the hope of glory. Mary's going around saying, Christ in me, and we can go around at Christmas time and say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Wow. I mean, that's something to sing about. And if you're a Christian, you are bearing Christ in you. And you say, how can God be in so many different people? Well, that's the, that's the mystery of what it means to be united to Christ. And we're united to Christ, but guess what? Christ is united to us. He takes up residence in you. You say, but, but I just want to know more of Jesus. Yes, that's the Spirit of God in you. Christ is in you. I, I just, I can't get enough of this. That's Christ in you. <laughs> I, I want to see more Christ in Christmas, don't you? I mean, have you ever noticed all the decorations? I don't see any, I see Santa Claus. I see every, I, 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 I still, I, I fail to see. I mean, I'm driving an hour and 15 minutes and I don't see Christ and Mary, a manger scene. Well, I'm not driven by your yard. I need to wait there. I need to. I'm going to look. I'm going to look to my right on my way down. But 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 as I'm driving around, I don't see that. 
What is it? We, we want to push Christ right out of Christ. Yeah, it's all about jingle bells, jingle bells, and one horse hope and slave, whatever that means. And I don't mean that those are in and of themselves. I mean, it's okay. But where's Christ? That's what Mary's celebrating. And I, I trust as we, you know, we think about Christmas that we don't diminish it, that we say, you know, Yes, that was 2,000 years ago, but isn't God keeping the same promise he gave to Mary and to her descendants and to Abraham and his descendants, which is us? He's put that glory in you. And as I think Greg and, and you, know, you were sharing, and so guess what? When you share that message, who's getting glory? God's getting glory. <laughs> you're making God big when you do that. And you're saying, hey, I want to share with you what God has done. That's making, a, that's making a big deal about God, and that's important. That's Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. and Help us to magnify you with our words. Help us to celebrate, Lord, who you are and what you've done. And let us tell others, Lord, um, Lord, help us not to hold back. The world needs to hear that you're a big deal because you are the only big deal there is. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to say,